This podcast is sponsored by listeners like yourself at patreon.com slash the laps. If you're not in the know, this is about as independent a show as it gets. As well-loved as my little program is, it is my full-time nine-to-five job, sometimes nine-to-nine just so I can stay on top of everything. So if you like the show and you want to support it for as little as a buck a month, we've got live hangouts with yours truly, behind-the-scenes episodes, what'll soon be four standalone mini-sodes. I've also just put together an uncut kind of ask-me-anything-style Q&A with my mother. That was from last episode, our anniversary episode. And there's even more on the way because I want to make sure that you guys think that this show is worth supporting and I want to make it worthwhile for you. So there's a lot of that stuff and it's all up at patreon.com slash the laps. Without further ado, hey everybody, welcome to the Laps Storytelling Podcast, where we tell true stories gussied up. I'm your host, Kyle Jest, and today we have a story from a man who might have the most Canadian accent we've ever had on this show. We have a lot of listeners and storytellers from the U.S. and abroad, and sometimes it surprises people to know that, yes, I am Canadian. I'm sorry if you felt this was a secret between us, but given my inclinations toward apology, maybe you should have been a little more suspicious. I've yet to travel to the Canadian prairies, but Ryan Uta-Willigan hails from just that area small-town boy craving big-city dreams, and the family legacy that might never let him see that dream. I'm calling this one Hollywood Sugar Beats. <laughs> I should start a band. Here it comes. This is The Laps. Whenever it's movie night at Bar Trivia, Ryan Uta-Willigan is the guy you want. Any year, I can name you the Oscar winners. All right, Hot Shot. 1972. The Godfather. 1952. The Greatest Show on Earth. 93. Schindler's List. 89. Driving Miss Daisy. Jesus. Yeah, it's, I'm a freak. <laughs> Ryan likes his movies. In fact, if he gets his way, he'll be working in the pictures someday. Though that might be difficult when you live here. Lethbridge, Alberta. Years before its uh, controversial nomination as Canada's most boring city, Ryan knows Lethbridge for three things. It's farming, it's Dutch population, and it's farming Dutch population. I was born on a farm, my friends as well. If you're not Dutch, you're not much, as they say. His father was a farmer, and his father before him. It's a big farm. 20,000 acres. It's a lot. And my dad farmed it with his two brothers. Pinto beans, grain, and the big one was sugar beets. That's kind of the thing that Southern Alberta is known for, is the Rogers Sugar Factory. So we had that, and then we had pigs. During the summer, that was my job. Feed the pigs and move them from barn to barn. The big boss man, Ryan's dad, the grain, the pigs, the beans, the sugar, that's life. There was a freak hailstorm. He was terrified and angry. The rain and the wind and the weather is out of control. And he was the boss. He had to have control. Being an only child, you have to take over the farm. That's my duty, my job in life. But I liked acting. I liked movies. I liked everything that was not farming. So where's a farm boy like Ryan getting all these big city ambitions? My mom was artsy, 12 or 13. My favorite movies were Kramer vs. Kramer and Rain Man and Forrest Gump and things like that. And the Oscar goes to... We'd sit down and have our own Oscar parties. Pop culture was just a really big thing between us. Mom always had some sort of health problem which just seemed normal to me. Even now, just like, I'm just discovering like, oh, people didn't go to the hospital every couple weeks or every couple months. When I was really young, she had a kidney transplant. She had to do dialysis, heart disease, gallbladder removed, piece of her lung removed. We'd always get these infections. 
As a kid, it was great. This is fun. We just get to watch TV and hang out. I didn't understand the seriousness of it. Aside from all the sickness, she's a pretty healthy gal. Travels, works out, eats well. She might be the only vegetarian in Lethbridge. In Lethbridge, meat and potatoes, and that's the diet. You have to support Alberta beef, and if you're a vegetarian, you're not human. Tis the season, 2009. Ryan's mom's been getting these stomach aches for the past couple months. She felt really full and uncomfortable, so tried the gluten-free diet. Things were working, it seemed. Went to the hospital and they found a whole bunch of fluid in their stomach. They, they didn't really fully understand. And I think that was the first time where my dad had to step back and kind of say, I don't have control. She was just miserable and, and tired and my dad was stressed out. We tried to go about our, our traditions, but Christmas day was kind of like the last day we really had My dad, he, he had a hard time letting go with my mom. We went camping, we went hiking, fishing, but we never really talked about it. I would try and help out on the farm as best I could. Sometimes he had to be out in the field. I had to cook us both dinner, bring it out to him. People started to invite him over, friends that he hadn't talked to in years invited him over. And that's when he became more like he, like, have to imagine was in high school. All the girls <laughs> liked him and he was the cool guy always skipping out of class and drinking at a young age and causing trouble and racing in his truck and he would take a lot of time off from farming. He realized, well, I'm just doing this for myself and my kid now. I was in the middle of college. I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to get into movies, but obviously I wasn't going to go anywhere and I'm not going to leave my dad. In southern Alberta, tell someone you're going to be an actor, they just look at you like you're insane. Now, a lot sort of happens at once here. First, Ryan's cousin, failing college, gets kicked out of his house. Bit of a pothead. My dad's like, sure. That brings the house to three. Dad meets this new woman, Tracy. That means four. And the cousin meets his own girl. Turns out this girl's in high school, but he's, he's still going to go see her anyways. That should make five. But dad spends more and more time with Tracy. He kind of moved in with her. So I lived in this acreage by myself. My cousin would come when he pleased, bring this girl, sleep with her, leave. Left his weed out and the cats ate it. There's my cousin and his girlfriend. There's my dad and his girlfriend. Very bad roommates that you're related to and is your father. Ryan's cousin gets his high school girlfriend pregnant. They both move out. And then there was one. Ryan's watching the Globes, as he does, when his dad drops by. Hey, Ryan? I have lung cancer. He broke it that casually, yeah. So, dad goes on chemo. It had no effect on him. It didn't affect the cancer, but it didn't affect his mood. He was pretty certain it was going to go away. Frankly, things continue as normal. Dad's relationship with Tracy progresses enough that she actually sells her house. And once again... There are three. You know, it was great. Especially like Sundays. Sundays became this day where we would have some kind of home-cooked meal. There would be a movie on. We'd sit down and watch it. We'd play a game. My dad and I hadn't really done that. I, we spent time together and, and talked and hung out. But 
man, this is like a family again. By now, Ryan's finished college, and he figures it's time he moved on and found a place of his own. Tracy and his dad have something pretty good going. That night, it's a celebration. One last little house party while his dad's getting his checkup. Ryan picks up. Hello? Uh, so guess what? It's his dad. There's a silence. And then he just comes out with it. I have a brain tumor as well. So we're going to have to go up to Calgary and get this looked at and see what we can do. His father is taken by ambulance to Calgary. Ryan and Tracy follow behind in her car. It's a three-hour drive, though. Plenty of time to think. My dad was sort of, I don't know, he was, he was having trouble speaking or thinking of certain words, which had never been a problem for him before. I don't know, he was a lot more confused. They arrive at the hotel, get their key. Tracy's a tad younger than Ryan's mom was, so when they unlock the door... The guy gave us a room with just one bed. Crap, are we going to do this? No. But it does lighten the mood, if only a little. Tracy and him are kind of a crew now, on the same ship, bailing out the same water. His dad has his tumor removed, most of it. The rest needs drugs and radiation, which actually, aside from the irritability, seems to be working. Meanwhile, Ryan gets the gig at the local radio station. And it was my first serious job, like it's salary, I have an office. Okay, things are okay. Ryan's on Facebook, scanning Tracy's vacay photos. Her and dad are on vacation in Vegas, third time that year. And I see a picture of her with a ring. God, did they? I was happy for him, I thought. You know, being an only child, I wanted to have a sibling at at some point. And this was kind of a chance, because they had been talking about it. Yeah, that was the right thing to do. That was, I'm proud of him. At the end of the year, they take one big family vacation in Jamaica. And it feels right. Like it should be. Watching my dad like hike up waterfalls and <laughs> drink and swim and try and boogie board in the sea. Like he just he had a blast. A day after we come back, he had to go to the hospital and, and figure out what was happening and they didn't let him leave. We were there for three weeks. He uh Something something happened, and I think the brain tumor kind of got the best of him, and he wasn't really there anymore. It was Christmas time, and I can tell you, <laughs> with my mom passing away two days after Christmas, and now this happening right before Christmas, is the worst time of the year. Ryan commissions a series of letters addressed to his dad, all his friends and family, all the things they love about him. On the last day that he was still... I don't know, I able to listen. We read it to him, and that was the end. If Ryan's at a loss of what to do, so too is Tracy. So together, just to get away from all of it, they fly to New York, New Year's Eve, Times Square, just the two of them. We stood there for eight hours, but it was worth it in the end when tons, when I say tons, like there's like, a hundred tons of confetti that drop on you, apparently. And, yeah, it was a magical moment and kind of the new beginning, and it was just like, this is my life now. I never thought I would go here, but I always, always wanted to. SNL and movies and 
This is it. But... I am an only child who has lost his parents at 19. I'm now an owner and somewhat operator. I am technically a farmer and I can say to people that yes, I am a farmer because I earn an income and have a say in what happens. I went to a group therapy thing, but it was uh, more for elderly women who lost their husbands of 50 or 60 years. And then there was me. They would show us like, that Steel Magnolias movie and like, I miss my husband and I miss this. Like, I, I can't, I have no, this sucks. He's still living with Tracy, but it's weird. Kind of more like a roommate, less like a mom. There's just a lot of people, friends and family, who just didn't want to talk to me or wanted to talk to me, but didn't know what to say or just said the wrong thing. So I wanted a chance to set the record straight, I guess, and do something for my parents and do something memorable. A fundraiser in memory of his parents with all the friends and family that love them. And all the funds, every bit of charity that he can muster, will be donated to the Cancer Society. I went store to store, and I just started asking for products. Turns out living in a small town, it has its perks. We got hundreds of things, jewelry, hockey equipment, decorations, all these stores that I kind of grew up with. He books a place, gets a band, a caterer. No matter how small, he contacts everyone his parents knew. It was kind of cool realizing that I actually knew when they actually knew this many people. It ended up being like 250 people, which was the max that room could hold. So I had to actually say no to people. All he's missing now is one little thing. It's just one final thing that would kind of put it over the edge. Like, I want to tell the story of their life. And I think it would be better to hear it from the people than me. Ryan shoots his first film, a documentary. Their parents, their siblings, their closest friends, from birth, how they met, the wedding, their friends, like all the fun times, how they dealt with their hardships, how they dealt with me being born. It's a lot of work, a lot of sleepless nights. The film screens to a full house. People laughed and cried, and I was able to look at everyone and just tell them straight up how I feel, what I'm doing, what I'm going to be doing. We ended up raising $16,000. I can't believe I made it. I mean, it, I made it for everyone, but this is more for me because I can sit back and, you know, hear it from the people that I love and I know and see my parents' life and it can help me put it into perspective. I watch it as much as I can now. Ryan is right about done with Lethbridge. He applies for a screenwriting program in Vancouver. Tracy inherits the house. His uncle takes care of the farm. That's when... My uncle said they needed my help and I needed to drive tractor and take my dad's place. And they weren't kidding. My dad was uh, also cremated and I brought the little urn with me and sat it next in the tractor. And uh, well, when I was a kid, I used to sit next to him in the tractor. So listening to country music and this is okay. It's just me now and everyone else is relying on their parents and is relying on these relationships. And I don't have that, but I have me. Everyone gets married when they're 17, 18 to their high school sweetheart, and everyone's hardcore conservative, and it's 
very sweet and innocent, but very naive. I'm going to live life just for me. That story again was shared by Ryan Udewilligan. Ryan has since finished his schooling. He's still living here in Vancouver working on a screenplay. It's a uh, coming-of-age story. I think that's a good idea. Thank you to Jesse Brennan for transcribing this interview. It was a long one, I know. If you've got a story to pitch, you can do so for me at storiesatthelaps.org. I'm always looking and listening for more. And uh, we're a mere $30 away as of this recording from our first Patreon goal. That means that as soon as we hit that, I have a whole lot of work to do because I've promised an extra bonus full-length story of my own when we hit that. You can help us do that at patreon.com slash thelaps. Oh, and you can now find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Laps Podcast. I uh, just started an Instagram account, but you can check out the only surviving photo of Ross from our previous episode on there. You can also see my mug and some of the mugs of some of our storytellers. You can do that all at The Laps Podcast. My name is Kyle Jest, and this was The Laps. Thank you so much for listening.